0: What's up, podcast listeners? It's your boy, Matt Baxter, on yep, 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 another fantastic episode of the Matt Baxter show. You guessed it. I'm hanging out with Jared Hummel. Jared Hummel is the president of Parka Digital Marketing Agency. But the cool thing is, they're not just like, you know, a digital marketing agency. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they are so much, so much, so much more than that. They are helping. Staffing recruiting firms. They're helping clients all over the country. They're helping you find, attract, and retain talent, which has been fantastic. That's one of the reasons why I loved having, having him as a guest on the show because we dive into the talent landscape. Obviously, my core business is in the video interviewing space. He helps with staffing and recruiting. There's a lot of overlap, which we just had an absolute blast talking some smack on this call. I have a whole lot of respect for Jared. And not only during the podcast, he had his baby daughter trying to sleep next to him and she did a fantastic job so jared way to be a great dad way to be a great podcast guest way to be a great president and way to just be a fantastic man so seriously thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast i hope everybody else enjoys this just as much as i did
1: jared thanks for being a guest on this podcast hey thanks uh for having me matt good to be on absolutely so where where in the world are you coming from uh, sunny Minneapolis, Minnesota. Surprisingly, uh, there's no ice on the lakes yet or anything. So life is still good.
0: I'm a Midwesterner myself. I live in, uh, the Western part of Michigan where we get the lake effect. So Ooh. we're just waiting for the snow, but when does when typical first snow fly?
1: Uh, you know, they always, there's, there's been snowstorms on, on Halloween. I wouldn't say that it's typical, but, uh, you know, actually I live on a, on a lake and there there was a guy last winter that was still wakeboarding in the middle of a snowstorm so uh uh, you know i know the the michiganers and the minnesota uh weirdos (laughs) don't always quit even when the snow comes right no
0: definitely not i uh i used to make a habit out of always trying to jump in the lake in uh early november (laughs) and it was always like one of the worst decisions (laughs) "We're, we're we're just gonna be idiots and we're gonna do it and we're you know, going to pretend that we had fun. And then you're like, why, why did I do this? This is dumb.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, when I see some of those guys still like skiing when it's 30 degrees out, I'm like, yeah, I'm crazy, but that just, there's a diminishing return on craziness. I think. In that. Yeah, yeah. At that
0: point, it's just like, not that fun. It's not like you're, doing anything <laughs> cool. you're just trying to survive. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so give me, give me, give me the life story. Give me the life background.
1: Yeah. Uh, life background summed up is, uh, really a lot of my background is sports. Uh, I was a big hockey guy. So, um, growing up in, in Minnesota, um, you know, that's our, our claim to fame. Um, so I grew up in a small town called Marshall, Minnesota, uh, in the Southwest corner, the home of Schwan's foods. Um, if you've ever heard of them, um, but yeah, around high that's school, like, that's, like, that's like the Schwan's man. Like the, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, my mom was, a. Uh, uh in the legal department at Schwann's for like 20 years and actually had Marvin Schwann like she was a signer on the bank at that time cuz it was you know long long time ago but yeah the Schwann's man
0: <laughs> we would always have uh the Schwann's truck drive around and I think we would either get like burgers or steaks or something from them but I distinctly remember those <laughs> those those trucks moving around that's awesome
1: yeah it's crazy yeah town of 12,000 in southwest minnesota is where it all started so um, but yeah, then moved to the twin cities, uh, in middle school, uh, mostly cause we were coming here every weekend for hockey, but, um, you know, spent, uh, high school on one of the best teams in the state and won the state tournament a couple of times, went all four years. And for those that don't know, it's kind of like Indiana basketball or Texas football. Like we had 19,000 people in the Excel center where the wild play and, Um, so it was a really cool experience from there uh went to the United States Hockey League and played there for a couple years and then played in college uh and where we went to the NCAA tournament and uh you know uh I was an All-American one year so uh, a lot of it uh it was hockey based and then like all good things that comes to an end and I have a lot of concussions to to show for it but uh you know, the competitive side and the team building side, I think is what's really like propelled me in my professional career. And so uh, I've been pretty industry agnostic, actually started in manufacturing, uh, got into real estate management for a little bit, then into plumbing and heating, and now uh, run a digital marketing agency. So uh, not a lot of commonalities between those industries, but I think what it all comes back to is just, like I said, building building winning teams and winning cultures is is what I'm really passionate about. And uh, so, yeah, it's just it's fun to fun to grow and um, learn learn new obstacles in the business world uh, every day.
0: I love that. I uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, probably between the two of us, we're in the double digits and concussions. I've had, <laughs> I've had a seven myself all from football and lacrosse and I uh I actually think because it's one of those things that I actually like kind of a side passion for figuring out the research behind but I just went through some early on hearing losses as as uh, some of <laughs> some of the repercussions from the concussions but yeah I uh they're not they're not fun it's one of those you know. that it's like man I would do anything to be back on the field playing again but at the same time the risk of uh you know getting another one is just not worth it
1: yeah, I mean, they. I'm sure you experienced it as well. But once you start stacking them up, the effects uh, aren't quite as as mild as the first couple, right? And no,
0: they get uh, they get worse and worse. It's, yeah, it's brutal. I uh, I had one that I um one of the worst ones. I I got I got knocked. This is playing lacrosse, and it, so I did faceoffs, and I got hit, and I. Apparently, so I don't remember the day before, the day of or the day after. And (laughs) I I like got hit and apparently I popped right back up, like was totally fine. And my dad used to take pictures on the sidelines. And so like that, this was like right before halftime or something. And I guess I like wandered over the huddle, asked like one of my friends, like why the music was so loud. And he was like, "Eh, there's no music. And he, so then like my dad was a doctor, so he knew my dad. So he kind of like walks me over to my dad and he's like, I don't know if he's okay. So we've, I mean, I've just had some, some really bad luck with that. I mean, I'm glad I kind of, I'm kind of done with them, but they're not fun at all.
1: No. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's my best or worst story, but my final college game, I was like sliding to block a pass and a guy fell on me and I went head first into the goalpost. And like, I kind of like you, I don't remember a whole lot. Like, I remember the next day, like driving in a parking lot and like calling my now wife and being like, I don't know where I am. Like, can you come get me? And then like a day after that, I was in the leadership development final interview for U.S. Bank, which was a huge like, I think it was like 20 people across the nation, like made it into their leadership development program. I'd already done like five or six interviews. And they were asking me like, "So why, like, why are you passionate about U.S. Bank?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know." Um, know, (laughs) Yeah, and like it was question after question where they're like, "Well, who, like, how did you find out about this?" Uh, I don't really remember how I found out about this. Like, and it was a complete, (laughs) complete train wreck. Needless to say, I've never worked for U.S. Bank, so.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's scary <laughs> stuff. I mean, on so many different levels, it's scary stuff. But yeah, I uh, yeah. Anyways, hopefully, we're both onward from those. Those. Are- <laughs> so um, my other comment was uh, so I hockey is one of the sports that I wish I would have played because I <laughs> I played play lacrosse, football, and basketball. Loved them, um, but hockey definitely would have been one. But on the other side, so I grew up in Ann Arbor mm-hmm. and Pioneer, the school right across like our rival high school, always hosted. The yep. U.S. the U.S. hockey team, and so it was like a month or two months that for whatever reason they went to Ann Arbor to train for a period of time, and it was like the most annoying group of guys because they, <laughs> they would show up at all the parties, they would show up at all the events, and of course all the girls were all. It just was like so so these poor guys like instantly when they showed up, there was like a group of like six high schools and all the like athletes from the high schools hated these like 20 guys. Like they just got, they just got absolutely like just beat up on and just like so much crap talk to them. It was, it was entertaining, but then all the girls liked him. So they probably didn't care that much. So it was, it
1: was a good back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, actually. So the high school I played for in Minnesota, I would say probably eight or nine of my teammates uh, went out to. It's called NTDP, the National Training Development Program. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'd like to think I'm not uh, one of them, but I am very familiar with the environment and uh, a lot of the guys that have went through that system, at least around my age. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh,
0: the lacrosse crew is not any better. In, fact. <laughs> in our in our own ways, we're worse as well. So I can I can understand completely. So uh switching gears career yeah. paths taking you a lot of different directions um did you say you started as an engineer
1: uh no not as an engineer i started uh in the manufacturing industry That's but manufacturing. yeah my my background i guess if you want to say would be in like finance uh you know early on was in uh like accounting roles or controller roles and then um, kind of transitioned i guess i just call it like C-suite, like I've been CEO, COO, CFO, <laughs> kind of whatever whatever realm, but I think the commonality is kind of the financial uh, financial background that I started with.
0: So what does a CEO do that's different than a CFO that's different? Than
1: a CEO? <laughs> it's a good question because it, it really depends on the industry, right? Uh, yeah. you know in some you know smaller organizations or startup or turnaround situations, Sometimes you're kind of all in one uh, at the same time. But um, yeah, I guess, I mean, CEO uh, usually is more of that visionary uh, top level thinking. I don't know if you're familiar with EOS, the Entrepreneurial yeah, Operating System. But yep. yeah, so I would I would say usually the CEO is the visionary that doesn't necessarily have a lot of day-to-day tasks, quote unquote, but more is in charge of the overarching vision and, uh, and culture where COO is more that integrator where, you know, usually most of the team reports up to the COO uh, a lot more process, uh, deliverable, client satisfaction, um, tactical uh, um, skills. And then the CFO obviously uh, is <laughs> as a financial person uh, is kind of the backbone putting uh, real data behind you know, solving business problems. And, you know, I always said, like, if you wanted a, a tax accountant, I'm not your guy. If you want a business operating CFO, then <laughs> then give me a call because, you know, I, I would say for a finance guy, my attention to detail probably uh, isn't in the highest uh, 20%, but making business decisions based off, off of operating metrics is becoming more and more critical, no matter what industry you're in, right. Um, Where you can find efficiency, where you can save money, where you can grow revenue um, and all of that.
0: I uh, completely can resonate. Um, I'm definitely on the uh, visionary, (laughs) not very detail oriented um, and uh, perfectly content with that. And even so I I run a, uh, I've got a tech startup and, we jumped from a team of five to 13. And one there was a kind of a unique circumstance for us to bring on one of our board members actually stepped up as a as our company president. And one of the things, it's something I've realized for the last like two years of running this, at some point we need to bring in like an operator because I, I'm, I'm good at getting things off the ground. I'm not good at seeing them through to finish. I'm good at having a big vision and futuristic thinking and lining up the people that should be involved or potentially the the vision of what we want. But I'm very, very, very bad at like, okay, now we have a team of five. Now let's, who's going to oversee all those five people or those 50 people or those 500 people. That's not me at all. (laughs) Just learning that there's such a big difference between somebody who's an operator and a visionary. And it's, it's not even like, it's not even like anybody should try to be both like more recognize which (laughs) one you are and like double down on that one.
1: Yeah. And that's like kind of the funny, like the plastic manufacturing company that I was the CEO of uh, the COO. uh, Our titles were backwards because he was like obsessed with polymer science, obsessed with technology, obsessed with the equipment. And I was really the one uh, doing the opposite, like working on getting the funds raised for the equipment, you know, managing the staff and all that. So it got a little a little backwards from like the EOS uh, terms, but I think the role I'm in now, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably a, a integrator. Like you said, it's hard to be both. I'm probably more of an integrator with a flash of visionary. And in in my current role, uh, our parent company has a a visionary through and through. Like doesn't manage people, doesn't have tasks, doesn't you know get quarterly rocks or anything, and and he's done a really good job of uh, mentoring me and honestly, like giving me <laughs> confidence uh, that, you know, I can can fill that role and can be a little more, uh, you know, forward facing, obviously, uh, doing more podcasts and more public speaking and stuff. I wouldn't have said early in my career that was my passion, but uh, it's, it's an exciting time uh, for me personally, anyways, uh, <laughs> to kind of get to fill that role and, and mature in my career a little bit.
0: Yeah, I like that. So walk me through um, You're obviously in the, the digital marketing space now. Walk me through yeah. kind of a little bit about the business. Obviously, there's, you know, yeah, would love just to hear, number one, how you got started. Number two, what you guys do?
1: Yeah, uh, I got started by getting lost. Um, <clears throat> I was doing my own kind of like turnaround consulting integrator stuff. Uh, and my wife decided that she wanted to get her doctorate in chiropractic. And so I was like, well, I can't be running around working 14 hours a day if, if she's gonna be going to school 18 hours a day. And so uh, I reached out to a a headhunter, Bersique Search and Consulting, which is our parent company. Uh, And I was actually hired by the parent company as their CFO uh, about six months after I started, the head of their digital marketing agency left. And so we were having conversations, uh, you know, at the uh, C-level of the parent company about what to do. And I didn't really volunteer, but I guess I was volunteered to run that. And so for about a year and a half, I did both roles to the point that Parka actually was large enough to you know support my, my wage and workload. And so I left uh, Versique to run Parka. And so what Parka did uh, is we basically started from scratch, focused on digital marketing for the staffing and recruiting industry. Uh, Obviously, our sister company, Versique, is a staffing and recruiting company. So um, that's really been our focus over the last three and a half years is growing a national agency uh, that services, you know, staffing and recruiting firms from high-end IT consulting firms to warehouse and, uh, you know, manufacturing uh, labor. And so, um, yeah, all kind of a full outsource agency. Um, you know, social media content creation, websites, uh, paid advertising, SEO, technology, automation, artificial intelligence, all of that stuff, uh, we built and, and it's been cool. I was actually just looking this morning, we've grown over 120% this year. So, uh, it's created plenty of, uh, stress and, and, uh, tight times. But also, uh, I'd rather be doing that than going the other way, right?
0: <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I mean, and congratulations on all the growth. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting, um, my my startup, so I own a video interviewing company, and at some point, we should probably chat offline. Yeah, <laughs> my, uh, my we, we end up servicing a lot of staff and recruiting companies, more, more our bread and butter, like would be, you know, small to mid market businesses, 100 to 2000 employees, but certainly end up, like, interacting with a lot. Well, number one, we definitely have recruiters and staffing companies using our product. Number two, we also interact with a lot of, you know, just recruiters and staff, people in the staffing world. So it's been, it's been a blast. I'm curious, do you, do you guys, is, like most of your digital marketing services, is it on the talent attraction side or is it more just marketing the business? So if I own a recruiting company, yeah. are you, are you running paid ads for me to track talent or are you running paid ads for me Uh, For my business to, you know, the brand to get out there.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you obviously know the industry. Uh, (laughs) So, um, I would say we've moved uh, way, way upstream over the last three years. Uh, When we started, we started with a lot of small uh, recruiting firms. And so that was basically uh, client attraction, uh, where now we're working with some of the, you know, top 50 staffing firms in the United States, and that's predominantly candidate attraction. So it's it's changed a lot. I mean, obviously we can do both, but I always say, you know, I, n- I never think an industry is unique, but every industry has unique parts to it. And one of the unique parts of staffing and recruiting is that somehow you got to meld your marketing into B2B, B2C, and internal hiring, talent acquisition. So uh, I would say, you know, all of our clients have a different mix of that. It's not like a one size fits all, but, um, you know, in this market, candidate attraction (laughs) is, uh, on pretty much everyone's mind.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. We've, we've, we've certainly seen a ton of that. And we've also even stepped into that a little bit as well, too, of just like the amount of media spend and the, a lot of ad purchasing of talent attraction and, how and I'm sure you've seen this how so many times companies are like totally misled where they should be spending their money what vendors they should be pumping you know media spend into it's been (laughs) fascinating to watch and it's also really good opportunity like cool opportunity for to hear a lot of companies say like we will do anything and if it means we switch over to xyz because we don't like our current vendor. I mean it's just remarkable how like sort of saturated but at the same time totally unsaturated for like good companies like yourselves to come along and actually provide a lot of value. So I, I, I totally see it.
1: Yeah, no, uh, the meeting I was in right before we, we hopped on, uh, we were talking about our content strategy for Parka headed in the first quarter. And the topic cluster is literally using technology to improve the candidate experience. Like that's, <laughs> that's everything we're going to be producing internally for, for our marketing over the next quarter. Because, um, like you said, it's, uh, one of the blog topics I suggested was around uh, marketing attribution to attract candidates because people do it. Like, it's like LinkedIn calls and you're like, well, I have to have LinkedIn. So that's a hundred grand. Well, Indeed called. Well, I need a Indeed subscription and that's 50 grand. Well, Facebook called and I like, I have to do Facebook. Well, what is actually driving you candidates? Like just signing up for everything <laughs> doesn't mean uh, that you're actually getting candidates that are qualified and placeable and, and, you know, what I assume you guys are trying to solve is that, that candidate experience, right. Is like, uh, staffing firms in general, you know, kind of have a negative connotation of, uh, you know, not always providing the best experience for candidates until they're on contract. But in today's world, like it's so competitive, if they're not having a good experience with you and finding you credible, you know, they're going to go to the staffing firm down the road because there's no shortage of them.
0: (laughs) No, I, 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 Absolutely. I mean, you're spot on. For us, we see all the time, like a little bit on the the flip side of that market is I see so many companies who've never used any form of HR tech at all decide that they're going to invest in some different products and then kind of assume once they have the product there, then all their problems are solved. And it's like just, and then all of a sudden they get down the rabbit hole of, I need to go spend, to your point, 100 100 grand with LinkedIn, LinkedIn, 100 grand with Indeed, 100 grand And it's like, Man, we're just trying to find people, and it's 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 been it's been fascinating to see. But yeah, our our whole our whole business is around candidate screening and making sure you know candidate story are told, and that whole process is a lot just a lot more efficient for for both employers, but also a cool opportunity and a, you know a nice experience for the candidate. So it's it's uh it's amazing how many companies spend very little time thinking about that, and yet are sitting there saying we can't keep the lights on because we don't have any people. And it's like, well, maybe it's time that we need to change a little bit.
1: But. Yeah, and I, I mean, 100%, I don't know if I can even really add to it, but I was actually at uh, Staffing World, ASA, American Staffing Association, in Denver last week. And uh, one of the quotes was like, uh, three years ago, there was $1.7 billion spent on HR tech. And this year, there'll be over $5 billion spent on HR tech. Goodness. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, wh- and that's really... Uh, holistically, what we're trying to solve is what you said is there's all these tools out there. There's, there's all this uh, technology coming online, but staffing and recruiting firms in general are five to seven years behind from a marketing strategy perspective. And so that's like a bulk of our business is in that automation, technology, uh, strategy, consulting. Um, and that's what's really allowed us to move upstream is the companies that are just buying tools, like I can tell you story after story of people that call us and are like, well, we bought this automation tool, but it's not working. And I'm like, you send out like happy birthday and like happy anniversary. Like, that's not, crazy. <laughs> that's not creating. <laughs> like you're paying thousands of dollars a month for this tool. And like, you're not improving the candidate's experience whatsoever. Like let's, let's help advise, uh, you know, an industry that's pretty far behind on uh, you know, what tech do you need to actually, acquire more candidate or more qualified candidates that can go on placement.
0: That's exactly right. It's, it's, it's spot (coughs) on. So for, uh, for where you're at in the business, obviously you mentioned that you're kind of stepping into more of like a kind of public facing role. You got, you you know, the chance to do podcasts with schmucks like me, some public speaking, (laughs) do a lot of stuff like that. So where kind of, where are you headed both with your current business and just in your career? What are you looking to do, looking to accomplish? What's sort of a, you know, kind of big bucket list item for you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, like I said, like we have our, our parent sister company has a a consummate visionary. Um, and he's you know really taking me under his wing. Like we joke all the time. I call him dad and he calls me son. And so it's like kind of our inside joke. And, and I think that is like, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I'm either blessed or cursed with a very analytical, like financial background. And (laughs) so sometimes those, those don't, uh, mix that well in terms of like taking risks and and you know kind of going off on my own like a lot of true entrepreneurs do and so like having this opportunity in parka to kind of be the the visionary of parka Um now uh you know a lot of our senior leadership of our parent company is 15 to 20 years older than i am so i think you know i i'm not uh i'm not obsessed with staffing and recruiting (laughs) you know like some entrepreneurs find their obsession and and they'll live or die by it but you know the culture we built the company i work for the industry as a whole um you know i I think you know eventually a few years from now or whatever you know moving uh back to the staffing side of our parent company would be uh, a bucket list of mine as as that company continues to grow um and be a part of that leadership um and yeah, just that kind of that visionary mindset, right, of kind of switching to, to full out entrepreneur mode versus, you know, kind of that hybrid integrator, you know, helping visionaries achieve their goal. Like now it's now it's kind of my company, my goal. And, I, you know, I think, you know, it's a, it's a loose, hairy, audacious goal. But, you know, Parka basically started with nothing three years ago. Uh, we'll probably do about $4 million next year. And our goal is to get to 10 million, uh, within five years. So if I, if I hit that goal, then, then maybe it'll be time to, to move back to the staffing side. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. And so for you, you know, for you on a, on a more holistic personal note, what's, you know, if you had a, if you had a chance to sort of pick the impact that you got to leave on people's lives, what would you want it to be?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah the impact is, man, that's a good question. I, I guess at, on a holistic level, I always say like building teams is my passion. Like that's, uh, you know, four years in, I've never been in Google analytics or Hootsuite or anything like we built this whole company, uh, with me having basically zero technical, <laughs> technical knowledge. Like when Tony asked me to run the company, I said, uh, I'm a finance guy and you want me to do sales and marketing. Um, I don't know if I would be in my first pick, but yeah, let's go for like, it. How about
0: you know, but sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. It sounds like fun. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. But I, I yeah, culture is the number one thing that I'm passionate about, and I don't know if I can say like what one thing I want to leave a mark on, but um, you know, I talk a lot about sports, and whether you like it like them or not, you know, whether it's like the Chicago Bulls of the '90s or the Patriots of the 2000s or whatever you know, they built teams that were so high performing and so cohesive and, you know, built dynasties. And, and I hope, you know, obviously, you can't retain every employee that's ever, you know, worked for you. But I hope that, you know, the people that work for us know, you know, even though there's high expectations, they worked in a company that like grew rapidly, they grew as a team. Uh, They, you know, the Minnesota Gophers football coach, which isn't my favorite person. Uh, But, you know, his slogan is row the boat, uh, you know, row the boat in the same direction. And I think, you know, if people can, uh, you know, Tony, our CEO's quote is like, I want to provide careers, not jobs. Um, And I think that holds pretty true. (laughs) For my, my goal is, you know, having employees that really find it as a fulfilling career versus, you know, waking up on Monday morning, just dreading coming to the office.
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. I like that quote. Make uh, make careers,
0: not jobs. And yeah, it's I, I had um, uh, Steve Cadigan, who's the first uh, chief human resource officer for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And he talked to me, like one of the things he was talking about is like his obsession now is helping companies understand that in order to keep talent, you need to, you need to think about your company as a, like us as leaders, you as CEO, me as CEO, I'm thinking like my company is like the focus of everything in my world, right? But the people who come and work for the organization, it may not be the perfect thing for the rest of their life. And so not only making them have a good experience here, but thinking about it in the fact that my goal for any person or employee that interacts or works with our company is to make their life better off so that if they transition out, the alumni network that we have is phenomenal versus, you know, you get so many people who, are hurt or offended or, you know, leaders who are upset that an employee leaves. And it's like the opposite effect. In fact, like you can create such a cool, strong alumni base of former employees that like make referrals that, that, you know, want to see you win. So anyways, I like, I, li- I like that message a lot.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, I would say what we have like 23 employees right now. And I would say probably 18 of them are referrals from other employees. Like we've basically built, the whole company off of referrals, which is like a huge testament. And yeah, that's now, a pretty good sign. <laughs> now, now you have the buzzword of like the Great Resignation, and you know I keep knocking on wood because I'm gonna get screwed by this eventually. But like we've had zero turnover this year; like we've added ten people and not lost a single person. And um, you know I I take that as a huge accomplishment, you know, for the whole culture, not just me personally. Um, but yeah, to your point, like some people think I'm weird, but like I probably in my four years at Verseek and Park, I've probably had 15 conversations with employees that have literally come to me and said, like, I have this other job offer. What do you think? And, you know, half of them, I said, oh my God, like you can make $20,000 more, like go take it. Like we can't match it. Or, you know, the skills you learned here allowed you <laughs> to move past where we're at right now, like take the opportunity. And, and then obviously the other side where There's a handful where I'm like, dude, like this is not, (laughs) you're going to regret this. And, you know, I'm not always right. But a lot of times, you know, they move for a few thousand dollars more and then they're the first ones cut when, you know, a big client goes away. So I think that's, yeah, that's a cool part for me. Like I don't, you know, if someone doesn't have ownership stake in a company, like you can't reasonably expect they're going to spend the rest of their life there. Like, how do you, how do you prepare them? Um, you know, when you're in high, high growth startup, you know, some people get, you know, a little bit inflated titles or whatever, as you continue to grow. And if that means (laughs) if that means they can go somewhere else in their career, like that's awesome. Like we, (laughs) we did something awesome together and now you're going to go do something awesome based on what you learned, you know, working um, in the culture that we built.
0: And that's what I just like, can't really seem to understand why so many employers are like, pissed off about that because I think that's like one of the most fulfilling, joyful things possible. It's like somebody else found a better opportunity or somebody else got a better opportunity because of what they learned with us or with some other company and went for it. And, you know, their life is becoming better, like awesome. And like, anyways, so I think, <laughs> I think, yeah. I think we view the world the same on that one. <laughs>
1: yeah there was a uh, i'm part of a group called ami agency management institute and we had a owners' conference in chicago like a month ago and one of the speakers um like he he had 15 employees over the course of the last 10 years or something like that and nine of them went on to start their own company competing against him and now they're all partners <laughs> as they go to like pitch clients and stuff i'm like holy cow that's that's pretty awesome like not yeah. only did they go to other jobs but they literally learned so much from you that they started their own company and you guys still don't have like a you know uh what are they zero-sum mindset or uh and literally they partner together based on each individual niche or skill set
0: yep 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 no i like it a lot so my uh, my favorite question the planet is uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning. So for all that you got going on and kind of where you're headed, what's kind of the driving force behind all the all the effort, the the stress, the joys of being an entrepreneur, both highs and lows. What what keeps you fueled behind it all?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely two two pieces. One, I love winning. Uh, you know, we I was actually I can't remember if it was a podcast or I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago of like as an athlete growing up, like you always have a buzzer and you either win or lose. And then you have a game the next week. And one of the interesting things about learning on a professional career is there's no buzzer, right? Like every day is a new battle and it's harder to quantify uh, if you won or lost, but just kind of that drive to always be competing and, and winning. Uh, You know, we lost a deal the other day to our main competitor that cut their price to win the deal and a year ago we wouldn't even compete with them cuz we weren't good enough and i'm like that is the best loss we've ever had cuz that means <laughs> they, they're scared of us now like let's go like this is awesome uh so that competitive drive uh you know to continue to be better and then you know the the i guess the true underlying uh thing that gets me out of bed is the people that i work with like just watching people grow watching them morph and change and develop and watching them have kids and get married and like to say it you know on the negative side i guess but like you know um oh shoot i lost my train of thought anyways um yeah just like the the positive vibes of of coming to work and uh, you know getting to know them on a personal level like our director of content creative babysits my dogs. When my wife and I go out of town, uh, my, the director of demand generation, him and I have played tennis twice a week, uh, for the three years that we've worked together. And so just to build those connections with people and, and watch their lives evolve is, is awesome. I love that Jared. That's awesome. So,
0: um, is there any, uh, anything else you want to leave the audience?
1: Um, I guess, I don't know if I have anything in, in particular, I, you know, it sounds uh, a little bit cliche, but I don't know. I think the cool part is uh, of working with people is like, you never really know what's going on <laughs> in their personal lives. Right. And like the things that they're dealing with and battling and um, you know, just to have grace and, and um, empathy towards people as, as they navigate life um, <laughs> is is something that I feel like I try to work on a lot, by no means am I good at it. Uh, But I think that's, you know, it sums up a little bit of of what we talked about today of of really just building that culture and and that place where people, I don't know if you want to call it like feel safe or or whatever, but um, I think that's a cool part of, of the workforce nowadays is it's not, you know, the 70s where you worked at one place your entire career and join the union and what, you know, like, (laughs) it's not that it's like, it's a place to go to like build each other up and, and achieve things together and whatnot. So um, yeah, I think that's uh, something I would definitely want people to keep at the top of their mind.
0: I love that. Well, Jared, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest on on this podcast. It's been been a blast.
1: Yeah. No, thank you for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it.